From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 721, bringing your teams together with teams with guest Tracy Vanderschiff, recorded Monday, August 17th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Tracy Vanderschiff. And in her bio, she says she facilitates the evolution of human capabilities. Tracy's passion is to empower people and therefore training and change management lie close to her heart. And her mission is to positively impact what and how people create. As she believes that what we design, create, designs and creates us back, which is known as ontological design, which I had to go read up on again because it was something I've always been a big fan of ontological humility. That idea that those that came before us were just as capable, you know, just mm-hmm. in a different time in history. But the the idea that we make the tools and the tools make us back, I mean, it's never more relevant than right now with the technologies that we've got. That when when we have a tool that encourages divisiveness, it works. And when we create a tool that encourages inclusion, it also works. And so I think that very mindful creation of tools that, that appeals to me hugely that we can for help drive ourselves on a, a positive path. Absolutely. So thank you for coming on the show. I'm really excited to meet you. It's, it's wonderful to be here. I mean, we've, uh, we've been having these talks for quite some time now and, um, Mm-hmm. It seems the world had to stop for things to start happening in some places. Well, yeah, it's certainly a, a reshuffling of priorities, right? Isn't that the power of adversity there? Is it, it sort of pushes you back into what do you believe in? What is it? Where is, is your character lie? Because you're going to have to lean on that right now. It's, it's a challenging time. Absolutely. I see it with, uh, with so many companies. And I mean, that's a challenge. And I mean, that's what's going to be nice about uh, the talk we're going to have today. But, mm-hmm. but how many people cannot rely suddenly on the person who sits next to you, you know, or the office next door, and you can't just run in there and ask questions. So yeah. a lot of people are left vulnerable. And uh, like you say, we, we suddenly have to rely on our own biases to actually get there and to get things done. Absolutely. And, and also how we measure our productivity. We just did these shows recently. Uh, on the pandemic series, it's like, hey, you know, you can't look at someone being in the office as that makes them productive. Now you actually have to look at their work and, uh, and how, you know, what is good collaboration today? How that, how do those pieces actually come together? Absolutely. If I, uh, if I think, of course, based in South Africa, and I'm, I'm sure many countries had uh, the same experience, but, um, I didn't quite see South Africa in the forefront of uh, people working remotely. Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to think it was a South African culture, but it's not, you know, it's a, it's a human thing, but how we don't trust people to work remotely because of how, um, like you said, the measurement is what you can see right. is that there's activity. And, uh, and that's been a big shift in the last couple of months, which again, I think it's one of those pros and cons. It's just, uh, it's one of those things that's worked out for the good is that those uh, kind of metrics are changing in companies and how we measure employees and how KPIs are assigned, you know, the job descriptions and activities are changing. And I think that's very good. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's, 
It's this, since we are uncomfortable, let us go embrace some uncomfortable things. Absolutely. And, and question all of that stuff. Cause you know, you already were uncomfortable. So how much more uncomfortable can you get really? True. So what do you do for Microsoft down in, in South Africa? So I, I work for myself. Okay. Um, I think, I think uh, I'm pretty sure I can put this out there that I'm Microsoft's biggest fan. Okay. <laughs> and I think I'm a bigger fan than Microsoft. Uh, I'm just one of those, uh, those people that just uh, found something. And, and as you mentioned, my, my business and life motto is to facilitate the evolution of human capabilities. So mm-hmm. I've always been a trainer at heart. For years, I had a driving school and I had an art school. And I've just always been in those environments where I wanted to help. So it wasn't just about the technology, but about teaching people. It was always about the people. Mm-hmm. So so then the cycle that we go through in life, how we renew and we take on new things. And I've always been involved in IT, but it was never my sole uh, purpose of, of what it is that I did in my careers or my jobs or my businesses. And um and I think when, when, when I got more involved with Microsoft and of course SharePoint, as most of us, that's sure. the portal that you enter into is SharePoint. And, uh, and then about eight years ago, I decided to make a change again and start my own business again. And that's of course when micro, well, Office 365 and then Microsoft 365. And there was just this, uh, I suppose I had this epiphany where I, I looked at that stack of tools and it just so absolutely made sense to me that this was exactly the set of tools that I could use to uh, facilitate the evolution of human capability. And uh, so, so that's what I do. But I also appreciate that SharePoint, I mean, SharePoint only always had this sort of split personality, right? Of the outward facing SharePoint and the inward facing SharePoint. But there was yes. always, there, it, there was always this tone that this will be the place where the company will collaborate to make the things we'll share with customers. Will be. <laughs> I don't know that it ever delivered that well on it. We tried really hard. We did a lot of things. But clearly with, with M365, all of this has evolved again. Of course, I have an opinion about that. I bet. <laughs> and I always have an opinion about everything. Okay. I'm extremely highly opinionated about things. But – um so I, I've got an immense love for SharePoint. And I think I was one of those people who would just fight the battles, you know, mm-hmm. when someone would say, oh, don't worry, um, you've got SharePoint minor, but don't worry, we'll make it pretty. And I would just I would just be so saddened by it because mm-hmm. as consultants, we were breeding this culture where clients didn't like SharePoint. Right. I mean, I, I didn't understand how consultants didn't realize that we were making people not like SharePoint or don't worry if they don't adopt it, you know, this and this and this. And I mean, I just always – not being from a developer background, um, I had to use basic tools to achieve greatness. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have fancy graphic design tools. I didn't uh, develop things from scratch. And um, and I think that's where my love and my passion for SharePoint came is that I really, and back then still used Office uh, together with SharePoint and really did incredible things and helped customers do incredible things without spending unnecessary money, if I can put it that way. My my point was always to start small and iterative change, you know, right. small changes and grow it up into the Ferrari. Don't build the Ferrari. Right, sure. And if you think, I mean, the statement you made now about uh, SharePoint never being well adopted, and you're very right, it never was well adopted. And uh, I think the big change that came for us, and, and, and I mean, I've written so many articles about that and had so many talks about it, is that 
if we think uh, before Office 365, SharePoint was the standalone product. Okay, right. So it was a, a company would adopt it for document management or an intranet or something. Mm-hmm. But what they expected users to do, and that would file for any product. It wasn't SharePoint specific. It's just that SharePoint was the thing picked on. Okay, right. But what happened is that we expected our employees to leave their place of work and go somewhere else. Right. That's the challenge we had. So that's like saying, um, so so you, this is your home, but for you to live healthy, um, you need to walk um, four blocks down and there's a little place where you can go eat healthy food or right. you can't do that in your home. And I mean, that's what we did is we expected users to have a work environment, but then when they loaded a document that had to go there or they had to navigate to some website down some crazy top navigation through library structures, and then upload a document there. Yeah. So people just uh, did the shadow IT thing and they just did their own. It wasn't their fault. They just did what they what was fastest for them. It was never integrated. I right. mean, that was, uh, that was one of the biggest challenges. And I mean, there was ways around it, but no one ever did that. So I, I've... Well, and, it, and often I ended up, and I know I have these shows in the repertoire, 700 shows in, of how I force my users to go down that path <laughs> rather than make them want to be there. Yeah. I um yeah, I definitely think we just never worked on integrating it. And I think a big challenge as well in the past, and, and I'm not referring to SharePoint, I'm really just referring to standalone systems. As mm-hmm. soon as a system isn't the thing that drives your business, you know, that does the invoicing or the proposals or things, it becomes a separate system. It's right. a kind of a if I want to use it, and that was a challenge. But um but because it was never integrated, and also I've gotten into trouble for the slots to say this, but is that consultants or IT used to build systems for the people who who signed the check and not right. for the people who use the systems. And that's one of the biggest challenges is we, our audience and our target, our focus was wrong. Well, I think the, the high budget items, and let's face it, an on-premise SharePoint installation of any sophistication was a high budget item, were always yeah. mandated top down. You sold it to the boss who wasn't going to use it, and yeah, it went down from there. And you, you know, you can put mandate on folks, so they're not necessarily going to do it, and it's certainly not going to be the most productive way for them to work. Definitely not. So, do you think the Office three sixty five model addresses this? like you've been focused on the standalone system? And let's face it, SharePoint was never easy to install, mm. and I don't think anybody misses that part. Lighting up a SharePoint online mm. instance is—you almost don't believe it's true. It's too easy. Yeah. Uh, but do you think that, that, that that's what's made the difference, this cloud model, that it's just because they're all an integrated product? Like, why is this better than the standalone? So, seeing as we're comparing apples to, I don't know, bananas. Right. But um, if, I, if I have to think of SharePoint again, I mean, if we're talking about because that's kind of the comparison model is SharePoint on premises and Office 365. That's, mm-hmm. that's where we've moved. Okay. Right. But if you have to think, and again, there's this graphic that comes up in my head that I've created for a slide deck is that if you have to think of the old SharePoint, um, where we used to go and build an app and there would be, let's build a discussion board or let's build a calendar or I want a task list or mm-hmm. I need a library. And the amazing thing is if you look at those lists of apps that we used to build in SharePoint, that's still there. 
But the big difference for me is that Microsoft has kind of split off those apps now to be stronger in the environments where they're best suited. Mm -hmm. SharePoint was terrible at hosting videos. It was terrible, terrible, but it could host videos. It had a library for videos, for media, but it was terrible at it, okay? Mm -hmm. And now, so what have they done? They've kind of taken that app out of SharePoint and they've put it in a platform where it's better suited and it's focused for videos. So a lot of those apps are still present. It's like, it's like SharePoint's just kind of like like broken up and become stronger in little pieces instead of everything being in one shell. And I think that's that's one of the big things. And that's a big change that I think is much better. Well, there, and Aaron lies an interesting thing. You know, this might be partly the organization that is Microsoft itself. The SharePoint team needed needed to define a boundary around SharePoint and so included things they were not necessarily good at. True. But felt it was necessary to be part of their product. And this is meaningless in this sort of cloud model with a with a uh, a monthly license or an annual license around it. Yeah. It's just a set of pro a, a set of things. Let everything that's good at different things do work together. Absolutely. That's a really profound transformation actually. Yeah. I uh, a couple of years ago so I've never been an Apple user. Like um, I had an Apple phone for about six months and then went back to Android. And uh, But I purchased a MacBook so that I could assist companies that was using um, Office 365 on Mac OS. Right. And uh, still not, it's still not my area. It's not something I prefer using. I'm just an absolute Windows babe. Mm -hmm. That's where you're comfortable. User on, on Windows, yeah. But uh, the interesting thing is the day when I came back with that MacBook and I switched it on and, it, you know, it's such a smooth sailing thing. It's a very sexy product yeah, to unbox, no you know, kidding. the whole yeah. experience is just something that's unbelievable. And my whole, like, installing everything was unbelievable. And like I said, I don't consider myself super technical. I don't... Mm -hmm like build servers and, oh, you know, I don't know, install services and things. I just don't do that. But it was such a great experience. But what happened is as soon as I switched it on, I only then realized that it wasn't a touch screen. Okay. I was like, right. what? What is this? <laughs> I straight went to the browser and I went and searched about this. And true, I couldn't believe it that the MacBook was not a touch Still screen. I didn't realize that before. It wasn't yeah. something I even thought of. And I went and did some research on it because it really bothered me and it irritated me. And uh, I found this great article written, I don't even know about what, but specifically about their MacBooks not being touchscreens. Mm -hmm. And um, they said, and it's such a good rule for life, is that is that when you try and be too many things or two things at once, you always compromise. Hmm. And and that was quite special for me thinking about how the apps and things works as well, is that they stopped trying to compromise. SharePoint stopped trying to be everything. Yes. So it didn't have to compromise. And I mean, so so, so Apple said that either a, it's either a tablet or it's a, it's a laptop. Okay, it's two different things. Right. If a laptop tries to be a tablet, then you're going to compromise somewhere, whether it's battery life or – and that was quite a big eye-opener for me in, in the range of, of technology and mm -hmm. apps and services is how, how that's kind of broken up and become stronger on their own. But still, the integration between the apps and services are stronger than ever before. It just works much better. Yeah. They, and it's so interesting that we all should be focused on individual specialties, but the integration is key. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, because the other side of that is I'll put everything in the one together because that will solve the integration problem. But it's the, you'll never be good at anything that way. So, you know, better separate out. Yeah, it's not. It's actually it's the, it's the opposite. And it's, it's amazing how the opposite to what we think would have been the answer has fixed it. Yeah. That being said, I really like the touchscreen feature in my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me too. I, it's, it's, uh, it just works for me. So, 
Yeah. Anyway. So I don't necessarily subscribe to Apple's, you know, core tenet of why there's touch on the there is no touch on the Mac, but the philosophy of, you know, be good at one thing and let others be mm-hmm. good at other things and work together, I think it's a pretty strong philosophy. Absolutely. And Tracy, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. You've got Microsoft Teams, but not a lot of ways of managing it. Don't panic, you've got Policy Pack. Policy Pack can instantly enable you to manage the key Microsoft Teams settings that's driving you and your users bonkers. Manage team settings like auto start application and open in background, on close keep the application running, and register Teams as a chat app, and more. Want to see it in action? That's a no-brainer. Come to policypack.com teams for a super quick demo. That's policypack.com teams. But don't stop there. Use Policy Pack to manage and secure the files that users transmit within Teams with Policy Pack Secure Run. Don't let one bad file mean you have to figure out how to pay millions in ransomware. Use Policy Pack Secure Run to stop ransomware that can spread through Teams files just like that. Learn more about all these solutions at policypack.com. Policy Pack, securing your standards. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Tracy Vandershift. And we're talking a little bit about, well, M365 and this new world of, of working together. And I think the overtone is where employees hang out for their, in their business work, where the work flows from. Cause we, especially where everybody working remotely, this collaboration is key. Like, how do we all pull that stuff together? And I've always been frustrated with, the intranet stuff. Like we could build it, but, but folks didn't necessarily use it. Like what makes that thrive? Mm-hmm. How do, how, what do you build that actually draws people in and, and keeps them there? The, the, again, I mean, the discussion we had before about, uh, SharePoint or even intranets was that it was a separate standalone place you had to navigate to mm-hmm. and to do things. So, so someone won't leave Outlook where they're already communicating. Right. Okay. Or collaborating is what they considered uh, back then and then go somewhere else to have a different conversation. So I think that was some of the challenges. And if I think, um, of course, when Microsoft Teams was launched, I remember um, at the MVP Summit in uh, in Seattle. And uh, so we kind of got the news up front and uh, I just shook my head and I said, oh, we can't have another tool. I, we, I just can't have another tool. That, that's <laughs> I've got too many I tools. I remember that there was a lot of disgruntled MVPs saying, what is this? Another tool, you yeah. know, and uh, it definitely took uh, a while to kind of get around to how this fits into the bigger picture. But mm-hmm. but something that uh, that Teams, Microsoft Teams has done for me and for the customers, uh, the clients that I work with, is that uh, for me, it's the ultimate adoption catalyst. It's, yeah. it's the ultimate, ultimate catalyst. And, uh, and I truly believe that whatever we can plug into Teams gets adopted. So if I then think of my intranet, because Teams has become my workplace, right. I mean, the only thing I still want is an Outlook button in there for my emails. And then that's it. That's the app that I'm going to open. That's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to work. Of course, the work that I do um, can all function in teams. Not everyone's work does work like that. But um, for most of our employees, it does as well. Mm-hmm. For your, the greatest part of your employee workforce, um, the most of what they do would fit into uh, Microsoft Teams. So if we can... If we can look at those tools and if we can look at an intranet environment, which a lot of times is a compliance portal as well, you know, it's about policies and procedures. It's not just a two-way communication thing. I've always said that for me, intranets was never a two-way communication thing. It was first and foremost for compliance. And that's because I come from an ISO background and, um, 
you know, compliance and check and health and safety and those things. Yeah, it's where your HR stuff lives, where your safety stuff lives. It's, you know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So those those things that the law requires us to have in place for mm-hmm. employees and for them to do the right jobs and where the latest version is of something. But bring, being able to bring that into uh, Microsoft Teams um, and adding it as tabs to your teams and adding it to the org wide team or something and having it right there available is already a big win. Yeah. But then also if, if I think, and, and it kind of like comes full circle is that for years I've said that intranets are not two way communications for me. No one has time to try and manage the two way comms that can happen on intranets. All the users can't have access to edit things. You know, it just gets messy. Right. And that's again where teams and Yammer then comes in for me beautifully because it's not SharePoint that I'm opening up for two way comms it's actually yammer and maybe even adding twitter or Mm -hmm. um stream so adding the communication tools has been split off but adding it back onto sharepoint but that's where those two-way comms actually happens and again bringing it back into teams but but being focused about it i mean everyone can do different things with tools and i think companies struggle with that they expect microsoft to give them a guideline that says when do i use what and then that's that's the truth. But it doesn't work like that. I mean, your company is different to any other company. And we should make decisions together as teams and then say, okay, as a company, at this point in time, we've made a decision that we want to use Yammer for the more social communications, for example. Right. In teams, your channels will be business communications. Right. And then reviewing those things. But companies are not putting those guidelines out there. They're expecting users to make their own decisions and then they're not making good decisions, which is not the right thing. We should guide them. Yeah. And that's where digital strategies comes into place, you know, reviewing that regularly and saying these are the best tools that we suggest you be using, um, et cetera. So definitely a big one for us. Providing some guidance. I mean, there's an etiquette element to that as well, but a little, you know, you're not going to naturally figure out the order of the forks and knives just by watching. Yeah. It, it helps to have a little instruction to say this Absolutely. is what's appropriate. I'm not saying you can't have a meal with only one fork and one knife. That's fine. But when it's a, when it's more elaborate, this is what it looks like. And I think that that <laughs> level of communication is important. I think some people as well, and that's that's just human. It, it takes us a while working with something before it clicks. You sure. know, in the beginning, it's very mechanical. We kind of like just go with it and uh, a lot of times let's say it takes three months for the average human to kind of get to the point where they're very comfortable with something and it starts making sense and they see potential but imagine how much uh, how much garbage happens in three yeah, months in between okay, that time you're not guided and um so so those type of things are important and i mean that's another thing that i've stepped away from and i think has changed and i hope people are starting to adopt it Coming from compliance environments, I was used to companies having documents that are 40 or 50 page documents that no one ever reads. Okay. Yes. But it's a checklist. So it's a checkbox and it's done and for my audit and I'll get my certification, but it's worthless for the company and for the employees. So a lot of times for these guidelines, something that I do is I would go and create those, uh, you know, those problem solving flow charts. So it starts with, is this an official, um, communication? Right. Yes. No. Um, can it get me fired? Yes. No. <laughs> Should I have a public? Yes. No. And then it's kind of like, oh, okay, so that's a Yammer post. I don't know. And that's maybe a conversation in teams. But having these infographics as yeah. well to very quickly just guide people into making better informed decisions until they get to the point where they're more comfortable to make those on their own. I think that's a, a good thing as well. Yeah, and, any, and an external reference means you're not dealing with someone declaring themselves, you know, the Yammer police either. It's like it's yeah. on the poster over there. 
It's just yeah. a way to work. I'm not saying it's the only way to work. If you want to change no. the poster, but at least we have, we kind of agree that's the way we're going to do this. So that, it, Absolutely. And with, uh, if we think, I mean, no one likes uh, the police. Okay. Yeah. But, but humans also thrive. If you think of a pot plant, okay, plants are amazing things. They love being in pots. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. Some plants just absolutely thrive by being in a certain size pot. They've got air, they've got water, they've got the nourishment, but they thrive in, in areas where there's boundaries. And that's sure. the same as with the companies is putting some boundaries in place. Some guidelines actually makes people flourish because in this lifetime that we're in now, I mean, we all suffer from failure to filter. Yeah. We just have way too much information. We've got information fatigue. So, so the more problems we can solve for users by making some of those decisions for them by guiding them, it just makes their jobs a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think the teams tool sort of helps us is like, this is the place to look and what is prioritized in teams is probably what I should be working on today. And, and of course, now we can, we can wag that the other way and say, let's make sure that the priorities the company actually has shows up in team. Absolutely. I mean, there's a big drive in the background that might be invisible to end users, but is making sure that uh, the right areas are put focused on. You got to put the spotlights on the right places, sure. but you got to kind of nearly make it easy. You know, that maze has got to be easy to, to navigate, but it's got to be eye catching so that it's easy to follow. You know, I, I, a friend of mine who's, a, who's an IT pro whose organization is at a point where he's got three or four folks that he's working with, and they're now writing scripts that each other use and starting to use source control to check them in and so forth. And he set up a Teams channel so that as those check-ins were happening, the other team members could see that that was happening. So it was just a feed yeah. of that. And he, he said the biggest impact that it had was not so much that we knew there was updates going on, but that this was a normal thing for us to do. That there was only one of them that really got what they were doing there in doing source management on scripts. But because the others could constantly see what was going on, they were sort of encouraged to get more involved. And to, to eventually they were all yeah. making modifications and checking it in and seeing that they were creating those messages in teams as well. I think part of that is is another big thing that I fight for, and that's transparency. If uh, mm. So when, when I always say that I'm very fair, I pick on everyone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't just pick on IT or on end users or on management. I pick on everyone, okay? Mm. We've all got things that needs to change. We all have roles that needs to change. Things but we could do better. Big, yeah. So, I mean, I was in IT for a long time. I did IT support, like, within companies. Mm-hmm. So I'm as guilty of these things that I say we should stop doing. But but something from an IT side that, that we didn't do well is we – we were not transparent and we only shared our successes. We never shared our failures. Right. Okay. Cause that's a typical project. That's a typical waterfall project uh, methodology nearly, if you think of it. Okay. Yep. So the way we communicated and um, so that transparency being missing um, made for knowledge transfer, not happening for good practices, not to stay in place unless it's, you know, by stick, if you think of it that sure. way. So opening up systems, of course, makes people uncomfortable. Um, people who don't uh, perform well normally don't do well in open environments. And that normally comes to up to air very quickly. But, but, but having that transparency where the difference for me is, uh, it's the risk versus relevance thing is we used to build complicated systems based on relevance, right. which was wrong. 
So that's how silo environments, there's nothing wrong with silo environments when it's a risk environment, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's always going to be there. But we tend to close down everything even based on relevance. And opening things up exposes people to more than you even would think they need to know, which, as you say, actually helps other people to start following that best practices and people to learn from it without you having to teach them. It also occurs to me that we struggle in IT with the rest of the organization thinking what we do is magic. <laughs> and on one hand, that's useful because then we're wizards and they leave us alone. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's painful because they don't understand when stuff is hard. Yeah. And I remember us using, it wasn't a Teams, this is before that. It, we, we actually used an ICQ channel because a bunch of us were working remotely. But we kept the logs of diagnosing a crash. And it took, you know, three hours and you could see the moment in the conversation in ICQ when we finally figured out what it was and it didn't take long to fix. But having management able to read through that and go, wow, your job is hard. Mm. To me, the thing that has helped teams work better and better together is when you recognize that each of these roles is important to, to success and that they're all hard. And so when folks can get an insight into what's hard and when it's hard and what it looks like to work through a hard problem, they have more respect for each other and they sort of value each other. You're more willing to take folks at their word when you've seen the effort. Yes. It's not just, oh, I hit the red button and everything's better now. I just waited three hours before I did it. As opposed to we looked at this log and we checked that log and we rebooted this. And we, you know, that process that we went through, we finally came to, oh, it's this. Made that configuration, restart these things, clean up the mess, do the post-op, like, and that's yeah. what the transparency did for us was when people could actually see everyone's effort. You know, I think we started this conversation with, you know, we were used to looking at folks in the office and saying, well, they're in the office. They must be working. Yeah. These days, I think the effort is a team's log. It's that chat that went through that problem that will actually show you what effort looks like. Yes. I think there's another side to it as well. So that transparency and is a, is a responsibility thing. Mm-hmm. Um, taking responsibility for actions. So when you have more transparency, people take more responsibility yes. for the whole process as well because you actually understand the process better. Because as you say, we used to keep it, um, this is my little job and this is what I do and actually no one knows everything I do. But, but something I've realized as well um, just in training is that there's no one that I learn more from than from my students. Sure. It's just how it works, okay? So... The craziest things I learned from people that don't consider themselves as technical is based on the questions they ask coming from a completely opposite or different environment. So, again, that transparency um, that we can have a bit more um, open because of our new communication tools also allows for people to also do process improvements because – the best eyes to look at processes and making them better is the people who's not involved in yeah, processes. Yeah, the new eyes. You, yeah, you, you definitely think of things different. So, True. there I see a lot of uh, of enhancement as well because our communications are slightly open because the suggestions of things coming in is so different. Sure. That's a Mark Twain quote. It's not what you know. It's what you know ain't so. Those sort of core assumptions yeah. that the new person doesn't have coming in. And so you start down a path of teaching them something. And if they have the nerve to essentially question the core assumption, you're teaching this way because you believe X, Y, Z. Do we need to believe those things? And if you just have that sort of moment of, yeah, I've just started with a whole set of assumptions that may now be incorrect today. They might have been correct when we wrote this 
X many years ago, but may not be correct now. It's it's also, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm probably won't work for a company again. I don't know. You never know what happens tomorrow. But right. um, I somewhere decided that um, as a consultant to companies, I don't get involved in office politics. Sure. Okay. So I also don't do long-term projects. I do short-term projects because after six months, you become office furniture. Okay. Yes. And then everything's your fault. So I'm like, nah, I get out while it's still good. Time to go. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of the powers you have as a consultant when you're new to sort of point. You guys all know that's an elephant, right? Like standing it, in the exactly. corner. And they're yeah, like, hey, we never talk about point. that. It's like, I'm new here. I really want to talk about that. Exactly. Because we kind of indoctrinated. Sure. It's kind of like, it's that, uh, we, we definitely don't have time for it, but there's that silly old story. You can go look it up about the the leg of lamb that gets cut in a small little square. I don't know if you've ever heard it. No, I've not but heard this one. <laughs> Girl cooks his leg of lamb, cuts off all the sides, packs his little thing, but it ends up being her mother's 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 mother used to do that because her little coal stove was too small to put a leg of lamb in. Okay. <laughs> and that's what happens in companies sure. is that we follow, we follow these uh, indoctrinated beliefs based on what systems could do before. And that's still what happens today sure. is that the way we communicate, the way we collaborate, if I think folder structures, that's our biggest challenge in teams is how deep folder structures go because search stops working. Okay. Right. But why did we do it back then like that? Because search didn't work so great. Right. So people are still, they never trusted search. No one ever taught them uh, good naming conventions and things. So they're still building folders that are 20 levels deep. And then they go, I don't get it. You know, teams is terrible. I can't yeah. search for anything. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. But again, we're doing things based on how technology works. And you don't need that hierarchy because you don't need the hierarchy anymore. Search works. Flatten the hierarchy. <laughs> exactly. But but that's a big thing to change because we've done that like that for 30 yeah. years. You know, that's been passed on by, uh, you know, for, for ages. That's, almost, that's people holding on to their scars, right? That, that, that they got burned by not being able to find things before by not sorting them. Yeah. So they've sorted them. And that's a scar they have now. And even though that issue has been resolved, they wear that scar with pride and insist on protecting from it. But, but again, and now I'm going to just pick on IT again quickly. But uh, also in, in IT, we never taught people to fix problems. Remember, we right. fixed problems. Our KPIs was to fix the problem as quickly as possible and to move on to the next problem. Yeah. So and it's, a, it's a catch-22. So if you had to phone me and log a call with me and say, um, Tracy, someone deleted my Excel because that's how end users think. End users think IT logs into machines after hours every Wednesday night and then we delete stuff off computers because it makes us earn our money, right? Right. So someone's deleted my Excel. I know they've just deleted their shortcut on their desktop or they've dragged it into a folder or it's zoomed out and they can't find it, okay? I'm not going to explain to them what happened. I'm going to remote into their machine and put the shortcut back and look like a rock star. And sure. we've done that for 30 years. Yeah. So we've never taught people. So so I've got the biggest empathy ever for end users to not figuring that out. We were not told to. Yeah. And so the transparency is a big part of that because the other side of this is once in a while, they really did delete the Excel file and they can't believe the wizard can't just fix it for them this time. Yeah. Like I said, catch 22. So yeah. there's those days. So I help companies by retraining their IT and their help desk and their trainers to think mm -hmm. different, to completely change the way that they deal with support. And then they'll say to me, Trace, but you don't understand. I mean, if I say to an end user, don't worry about the shortcut, just press the Windows button for me on the keyboard. You know how many users will say to me, I don't have time now to learn it. Right. I'm like, yes, 
it's the 80 20 thing yeah we're gonna have to just you know pick your battles and pick the ones that can fight it with you you know find those users who will change yeah. who will talk who will get empowered and then the rest will follow and we'll be more productive as a consequence too which i think is a, a powerful part but, but I, I always say and with anything in life whether it's friends family or work related but anyone who's miserable that comes from a dark and sad place okay mm -hmm. if you walk into a project meeting and the project manager is really miserable about the project i can promise you he's been burnt on a project yep. okay so we all have like you said these scars that we carry and if we can kind of get past that and understand that everything revolves around self-esteem and fear yep. you know if we can just help people overcome that fear then then the new technology will just work. Isn't so? The, this is the the joke. Then we're not actually technologists anymore. We're marriage counselors because we know the tech will do it. It's figuring out why the people are struggling, whatever that whatever reason that be. So I I consider myself a tech therapist. Okay. So I <laughs> even the consulting I do with companies, I say about eighty percent of it's therapy because if you can fix someone's. Uh, belief they have in themselves to be able to do something right. they can teach themselves anything yeah. so i put much more effort into fixing it self-esteem yeah. than i do to teach technology empower the individual i love it <laughs> hey tracy this is not the show we set out to make but i'm really happy we made it uh, it's a great conversation i really appreciate your time hmm. it's uh it's fun it's i'm very passionate about this so uh absolutely I'm always willing to talk about it. Yeah, well, I'm glad you did. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely lovely. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.